Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. One of the purposes of this series was really to sort of tackle some of the practical things that keep us together and help us stay connected because when the enemy wins and he diffuses us by uh, disrupting our relationships and causing us to have division among us, then we divide and we subtract and all of a sudden we lose momentum and we get discouraged and inside we think, is this really worth it? Is this worth putting my time, energy into? That's why staying unified and having unity in the body of Christ is so crucial, but it takes practical application to do that. And you've probably noticed we've been tackling some things even in uh, like talking kind of almost to singles in our little seeds and trees message, but it really does apply to all seasons of your life. But it's, it's important for us to understand how to engage in relationships um, when we're in marriage or not in marriage. And we talked about boundaries last week. Mariah Anderson did a fantastic job in that message. And today we're going to talk about for better or worse. And this message really is focused on marriage. But it applies to any relationship. <clears throat> if you want to make a relationship work, uh, whether you're in a marriage or you're not, or you, you sh- if, if you're in a relationship, you should be thinking about heading towards marriage. Amen, Pastor. That's a really good word. I just really appreciate you bringing that wisdom and truth into my life. <laughs> Let's coach you up. You guys are get there. And if you're not in a relationship, Bible says, hey, Paul says, hey, it's good that you stay the way you are. Make Jesus your focus, all right? And if God brings you a relationship, awesome. Making the relationship your focus in life is not what God called you to. He called you to serve him, serve Jesus, When relationships come in and relationships are beautiful, God ordained them. They're so great. They cause us to multiply and grow the church and populate heaven. It's all amazing. Relationships, marriages are hard. And the grass isn't always greener, folks. And relationships with marriage are equally uh, as as fruitful and equally as uh, brings such tremendous blessing in your life that you just really wouldn't experience somewhere else. And a relationship, a marriage, will grind you down to a nub and chisel away every bit of yourself that you thought you could keep. Uh, I've been married, just a little background, I've been married for 23 years. We're going on 24, coming up this summer. August is my anniversary. Uh, Yep, and these are uh, most all of my children right here. One, two, three, four, five, right? Yeah, there's missing one, one high fives for all the kids down in the front, a byproduct of our 23 years, right? We started early, and uh, it's been one of the most amazing things, probably the most amazing thing in my life, is my marriage and having my kids, and the way God has just prospered and blessed and just brought so much blessing into my life. And it's also been the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And... Um, Today, I want us to just to sort of set a framework here is that I am not the guru on marriage. I just feel like we need to talk about it, okay? And so I want to share with you some of my thoughts, not as an expert in marriage or the, the, the doctor of love, okay? Um, I, I'm not perfect. We are not. We don't have a perfect marriage. And what I want to do is just kind of lay out some truths that we build from to try to have a healthy marriage. Does that make sense? Because these are always the scary ones because you don't want anybody thinking you're perfect or, you know, nobody has bad days and we, you know, haven't had struggles and difficulties because we have. 
Because what happens is as you do relationship with somebody and they get really close, they find out all of your weaknesses. And that's the grinder in life. Just grinding you down. And you're like, ah, oh, this is feel good. Your flesh doesn't like it, but it's good for you because it's really removing the parts of you that God didn't really kind of, he didn't ordain. He'll figure out a way to, to help you prosper and become like Jesus, right? He, he will definitely help you grow. But marriage is one of the most effective ways of helping you become like Jesus. <laughs> Parenting is another more effective way, probably even more effective way of grinding your flesh down to a nub and helping you become like Jesus. So we're going to build this message off of just the foundation of Ephesians chapter 5. You can read the whole chapter. I've picked out some of the verses that are really centered around marriage and relationships. So let's tackle this together. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So let's just stay here for a second. You have to understand everything we're going to talk about next comes from this platform, we're going to love like Jesus loved. If you want to make a relationship with any other person, whether you're married to them, you're their friend, uh, or you're dating and you're looking towards marriage work, you have to do this. Follow in Christ's example, example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. The way of love looks just like Jesus did it. Gave himself up. So the foundation of your marriage, your relationship, is give yourself selfishness, self-centeredness up as an offering, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God loves it when you offer your flesh up to him. He just really does. Makes him super happy. Look here in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is the context, context is king whenever we're studying the Bible. This is the context of this passage, is that we're gonna love like Jesus loved, and we're gonna submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is not gender specific. This is big picture body of Christ. Before this, he talks about that we all need to walk in purity and we need to make the most of every opportunity and we're not gonna live like sinful people. We're gonna live according to God's ways centered on this, this, this motive of love, okay? But then we have to learn how to submit to one another. So understanding what submission really looks like and what it is is a big deal because men submit to women and women submit to men. Hello. And I was like, oh, my brain's popping. Yeah, it should. Because your mind needs to be renewed and brought into alignment with the truth of God, not the truth as you see it. <laughs> Hello. I'm coming for you today. The truth as we see it makes us feel safe and comfortable and in control. That's usually the way we want to see things, is to protect self. So when a dude reads this, they start going, well, I'm going to skip all that submit to one another bull, and I'm going to go to the you submit to me part, my favorite. 
And I'm not even going to think about, oh, how Jesus said I should love. But no, I'm going to love the way I think I should love. Basically, I'm in charge and you're my slave. That's kingdom submission. That's kingdom love. Look, but our broken paradigms, they bring us into this kind of thinking. And our minds are the most powerful assumers on the planet. They assume all kinds of things and they fill in all the blanks. And they make us hear things that are not in the Bible. And that's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds with the washing of the word, the truth of God, to bring our minds into alignment with his truth. And his truth is, is that we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're called to love the way Jesus loved. No one is less valuable than anyone else. Ephesians 22, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Wives, this says wives, I should have said that. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. Let your mind be renewed. Not as a king or a CEO bosses around their peeps. I want you to think about the way Jesus asks you to submit to him. What does submission to Jesus look like? Does it look like power and control? Manipulation? Him bossing you around all the time? It doesn't. Jesus is lovingly empowering you to be the best you you could ever be. That is what you submit to. Come on. The, the problem is, is we just mess all this up because we're people with our flesh is all involved. And if we don't do the love like Jesus loved and offer our lives as a living sacrifice first, and we don't do submission to one another, I see you as equal value to myself. And we go into this spot and we say, husbands or wives, submit to yourselves to your husbands. Wives go like, the example I've seen of that is uh, like servants serving kings. And we get that in our mind that that's what Jesus or God is saying and laying out for us. Not gonna work, folks. In fact, this is an ungodly method. This is ungodly platform to build your marriage on. That is, men are more valuable than women because they're men, because they came first. God's plan was always to make us both together complete and whole. Come on, we all know that. Not the one that came first is more important or more valuable than the one that comes next. Even Paul says, look, nobody even comes and co becomes alive without a woman. We're all dependent on each other. <clears throat> Wives submit to your own husbands and not every man. I'm just attacking some old paradigms that have been around is that men will go around and they go like, well, you're a woman, so uh, you, I need to be in charge of you. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what, like, something inside goes, no, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, you're right. That isn't right. Because you're a dude doesn't make you in charge. In fact, there's a lot of women smarter than you. There's a lot of women smarter than me, and I really want to be submitted to them depending on the circumstance, especially if they're a brain surgeon. We're not going based on just the dude who's in the room on what that person thinks. Well, he's the guy. He's got no training. He doesn't know nothing. His IQ's like 12, but this genius woman's in the room because she's a woman. 
She's got to be submitted. No, submit to your own husbands. This is about love relationship making it work and thrive, not about men being in power over women. <laughs> yeah, you wish you were me. You wish you could say all this. <laughs> Just keep loving me no matter where you're at, okay? Just keep loving me. Verse 23, for husband, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. <laughs> now the church submits to Christ. Also, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. All right. When Jesus lays his life down, this is an empowerment thing. This is not a control thing. And so I brought a couple things. I hit them back here. Um, hey. when, when Jesus gave up his life, it wasn't, and when we say husbands submit to your wives as Christ, as Christ submitted or as we are submitted to Christ, right? And husbands are as Jesus is the head. We think about the head like in control, the boss. And that is not what the Bible means. The word head actually means like the starting place or origin. And in this context, it's the origin of sacrifice and empowerment. The chief dyer. Jesus is the chief dyer. No greater love has anybody ever had than when you lay down your life for a friend, those whom you love. Jesus demonstrated his own love for us that when we were still sinners, lost, gone, he came and died for us. Ephesians 5.1, we just saw it. Lay down your life as a fragrant offering, right? There's this thing about relationships that we seem to miss over and over, and it's because we sort of want to protect our own way of life and ego, right? We're all, our, our self is always protecting its own ego. And it, it's just really hard thing to overcome. And there's a lot of cultural examples, but now we've just really come to a more neutral place in our society where we just really tend to see women more equal, which is such a huge blessing. And we've figured out that when men just domineer and become kings or tyrants over their uh, bosses over their wives, it turns into a gigantic disaster. People are hurt. Lives are wrecked. Marriages are destroyed. Families are brutalized. We're not called to love that way. But when it says, men, to be the head of your home, the head is the chief sacrificer. And there's this thing in, in sort of old English culture that I think is really awesome, and I think it really depicts this. It's where a man takes off his jacket in like the muddy days, right? And he takes his jacket off, and before a woman like goes over a puddle, we just don't live around so many puddles anymore, right? <laughs> he just lays it out over the obstacle. He makes a bridge over the obstacle so when the woman walks, she doesn't get dirty. She's empowered to be and maintain her presence and beauty. To take your life, to be the head 
is not in control and bossy boss and know everything. You can have an IQ of 12. If you figure this out, you know you can lead your wife and another woman in relationship if you lay your life down as an offering over the obstacle so they can maintain deference and beauty. Come on. Say he's preaching good now. <laughs> Come on. Watch what happens. Submit yourselves to your own husbands. This is about being in relationship. As you do to the Lord. The same way you submit to Jesus is the way you submit to your husbands. The amazing thing, it's, it's so much easier to submit to Jesus because he's perfect. If our husbands could just be perfectly like Jesus, it'd be so much easier. True. And if our wives could be more like Jesus, it would also be easier for the husband is the head of the wife. If we don't get this origin part, this starting part right, and we see the way our role is correctly, first, we will not be able to do the next steps. <clears throat> so I am not the boss of the church. Jesus doesn't act like the boss of the church. He lays out the righteous path and he empowers us and he overcomes the obstacles for us so that we can get over and stay spotless and clean. And be the best us we can be. Now, as the church, okay, look verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as. No wiggle room. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word. Hear this. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Do you hear it? Just take your life, lay it over that obstacle. Be that empowerment, washed, holy, clean, blameless, beautiful, to present to God. Husbands, you will stand before Jesus for the way that you loved your wife. You will literally stand before the power, the awe of God himself. And he said, love just as I loved. Are you living for that moment? Step it up. Lay your life down. It's hard to be the boss and have every answer to everything and be perfect. It's way easier just to lay your life down to help people overcome obstacles. Help your wife love her so much you just help her overcome obstacles and stay spotless and pure and present her to the Lord Radiant and beautiful. How about radiant and beautiful in her heart? Where her most vulnerable needs are. Not easy. Just got to die. <laughs> to yourself, right? <laughs> After all, he who loves his wife loves himself. Happy wife, happy life. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church. Look at Jesus' job. He feeds, he empowers, he washes, he cleans, he lays his life down. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and you be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also, each 
Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It all starts from the origin spot. This is the origin of like relationships comes from understanding you're the head or the starting place of sacrifice. So to make marriages work, guys, you can't wait for your wives to start this process, even though it'd be great. But listen, you have to follow the example of Christ and lay your life down and begin to love the way he loves and you're stirring up this response in respect in your relationship all the time. We have to see each other of equal value. When you look back at Ephesians 5.28, it says the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Equal value. There is, there, there is when, when I see you as equal value, not less than, because I think you're supposed to be submitted to me. Yes, you need to understand what submission really looks like. We all do. But the starting place for real submission, healthy, godly submission, is seeing others of equal value. Let, think about it like Jesus says, or well, Paul says through the Holy Spirit, that you look at it like you love yourself. Like you don't just like beat your own self up. No, you feed and take care and try to preserve. Love them the way you love yourself, equal value. And like Jesus said, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. But this concept that we submit to one another comes from Ephesians 5.21. We look at this platform as that we are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. One another. Equal value. Right? And then submit yourselves to your own husband as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Okay. As, as, as Christ is the head of the church. This submission is about trust. I trust Jesus. Really easy because he's perfect. I lean into him with his strengths, with our, which are perfect. Right? But we're supposed to love our husbands the same way. Okay, wives, submitting to your husband isn't he's the boss and tells you everything to do. You trust him to empower you, to be a bridge for you, to help you, to know you, to challenge you, to encourage you. This is submission. In a biblical sense, okay, in relationship. There is nothing for you to boss them around to do. In the kingdom. <laughs> I want you to think about your job in the kingdom. And so if you're the CEO of something, your job is to move people to profits. You move your people to profits. They submit to you in a different way than your husband's and wife's submission happens. It's not the same because you have a different job. You have a different outcome. You're, call, you're moving them to something. All we're moving each other to in the kingdom is righteousness becoming more like Jesus. So it's all about a personal challenge in relationship toward one another. <laughs> it's not like, well, I'm the head of my household. That doesn't say you're the head of your house. You're the head of your wife. Not your house. Your house is a building. It's a thing. Your wife is a human that goes to heaven, goes to eternity. Your spouse these are different things. You build a house different than you build a relationship. Your job is to be the head like Jesus to empower them to their greatest destiny in Christ. 
in him. Jesus is not about you building a building. He's helping you become like him and accomplish the task that he has set in front of you. This is a metaphor, not of control, rather one of sacrifice, empowerment, and love. To be like Christ. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He's empowering, not suppressing. Christ is not suppressing the value or the opportunity of his church. Christ is not suppressing the value of his women in his church. He was a husband. Your job is to lay your life down to empower them to be the best them they could ever be, not to fulfill your vision. Their job is to help respect and love and empower you, to wives, or to empower their husbands to reach their maximum vision. And together, as we love each other this way, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, becoming all that he's made us to be, we're empowering each other to reach our fullness in Jesus. Not accomplish some man's ideal of what a home looks like. So much of what I see, look, we have over 50% divorce rate in the church because we don't understand this. And maybe there's other places that, man, oh, I got this laid. But man, if, if you got this, this just totally laid down in your life and you got it easy, you're gonna have an awesome marriage. But if you don't have this and you're having both parties have this understanding of full empowerment, loving each other so such a crazy kind of love that we lay our own lives down so they can win. So like, if you're, in your, if you're in a relationship, look, I'm not encouraging you to give up on your relationship. I'm saying you gotta stick out your relationships, but you need to bring healthy love and challenge into your relationships. If you're a woman who's feeling controlled by your husband, you need to, they need to listen to this message, okay? Being submitted to them is not them bossing you around all the time. It's not. And, then, and it's not them keeping you from opportunities in Christ. You feel a calling in your heart to serve, to lead, to love, to not just only take care of children. Like, God's called you to do more than that. Taking care of children, absolutely your prime responsibility, husbands and wives. I know what that's like. I've done a pile, <laughs> half a litter, right? <laughs> And it's a lot of work and it's a high level commitment. It's super important. We gotta take care of that. And God's called you to even more. What is the vision he stirred up in your life? Your husband's job is to help empower you to do that. That's submission. We, husbands, don't control your wives and hold them back from what Jesus is telling them to do. Deal, help, lay your life down with whatever comes next. It might not be perfect. Work it out. Empower them to move. Empower them to be. Help them get there. Follow Christ's example, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. So, simple thing. How should a man treat a woman? Easy. Everybody knows. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is my personal feeling on this. Is with deference and equality. There's a tension between deference and equality. Women, men, were made very different. 
It is not one is more fragile and weaker than the other. The, this Bible passage, and I don't want to get too deep into this, is like that the woman is weaker. That's not in the sense of like less than. No, equal and different. They bring a different value that should be have deference, treated differently. This is why if you're with me, I believe in equality where I'm gonna empower you, I'm gonna challenge you the same as I would a man if you're a woman, and I'm gonna expect you to deliver and thrive and be awesome, and, and you're strong and you're powerful, you're beautiful. That's the way I see women, right? And the same time, you're not walking through a door and I'm not opening it for you. Equal and deference. Equality and deference. I don't talk to women the same way I talk to men. I, uh, uh, I, I, I don't, I open doors for women for a reason. There is a deference that God expects from us men and the way that we treat women and our wives. We don't rough them up. We don't talk to them harshly. But you can still see them as equal value. And if we can get the tension of equal value and deference, then we're going to start to produce some really healthy relationships. I want, it's like a special treasure that's to be cared for with delicacy and honor. You're fully my equal in every way, valued by God, but totally different at the same time. I don't know how to say that exactly perfect, but you know I'm right and I'm on the right trail. And that's all that matters. Successful relationships are not about when, they're about what. We sometimes get into this whole concept of when people get married determines how well they're going to do. It's just a lie. It's what are you committed to and what do you understand and, in your life that is going and, and, and that you're gonna carry out no matter what that is going to move you towards success. And I think about this. It's a winning mindset. I got married at 17. I'm now 41. It doesn't matter when. I could have got married at 16, I promise you, because of what was, well, no, that's, yeah, after I got saved. No, 17 is probably as early as I would ever do it because I got saved, right? After I got saved, what was in me was going to cause our marriage to win. It's a winning mindset. If you allow yourself to imagine failure, you will find it. If you allow yourself to entertain defeat, you will get there. Do not do it. Don't let divorce become a word in your head. Either party, and both parties have to commit to that. Giving up is not part of the plan. You both have to be willing to succeed no matter what it costs you, and it's gonna cost you everything. Your whole life is gonna get laid down before Jesus. Bam, just like that. I'm gonna just walk you through three things kind of quick because it took a lot of time in the foundation here, but three major disruptors in marriage. First is emotional baggage. Our past floods into our present and we have this luggage that we carry around with us because communication is really the key to success is how I see you first changes the way that I talk to you. So I see you as equal value when I treat you with deference or with respect, women treat with Equal value and respect. Men, equal value and deference or love, right? But we all carry around baggage, right? Emotional baggage in this secret box in our heart and life. And we want to protect it all the time. But the funny thing is, is we come in and then we don't really know what's in the other person's box. 
And we come into a relationship and we're like, oh, I'm going to love you. And they're like, oh, I'm going to love you too. And then we start to do relationship. And then we're doing, we're like, we have this box that some boxes are big and heavy and some are smaller or whatever, but we all got them and they have baggage in them. And they all represent the emotional baggage and hurts and wounds from our early childhood where we were damaged and where we learned how to survive. And now we're protecting this box with everything in us. All our strength is to protect what's in here, but you don't know what's in it. And so we come into a relationship with one another. We're like, oh, I love you. And then the love relate, the like, we fall in love. And then we just cover up. We're like, oh, well, I don't really care about what's in that box. And sometimes he opens it up and it's like, I'm like, whoa. Because here's the thing is that to protect this box, there's an inner Rambo inside of all of us, okay? There's an inner Rambo, and you're going to awaken that inner Rambo, touch my baggage and die. Right? That inner Rambo is designed with self-defense to protect what's hiding in here, in your baggage. And if you and I don't learn, okay, so what happens is, is if, if we justify protecting, because we needed those protection mechanisms to protect what's happened in, in our life and we box it all up and try to survive, we need that inner Rambo because no one else would protect us, that little kid inside of us. And so if doggone it, somebody else isn't, then I'm going to open Rambo up on you and I'm going to protect him. I'm going to protect her, right? Rambo, if you don't know, you shouldn't watch any Rambo movies. They're all rated R, I think. But Rambo is like the lone, uh, like, wolf guy that can go out. He can destroy entire armies. He doesn't need anybody else. He fights all by himself all the time and always wins. Because if he needs to win, all he does is get a bigger gun, more bombs, bigger planes, whatever it takes to survive, to protect the baggage or die. But what happens is we justify this behavior and we say, well, because it's so hurt and it's all in there, then I can just blow you up no matter what because you came after my baggage and then it's all good. <laughs> I get done blowing you up and I love you. You're my spouse. Stay away from my baggage. Then we're done. I go like, we good? <laughs> no, we're not good. It's not okay. Love, right? Love is the way we need to do it. So this is the thing, and I'm going to really speed this one, but one, you got to know you got baggage, just like me, just like everybody else, and you got an inner Rambo that wants to protect it for better or worse. You need to learn how to open up what's in your box and Get it open and show your spouse. Say, look, I was a vulnerable little kid in here, and I need you to trust, be safe and careful with him. And I need to know what's in here. You need to know what's in here. And when I start acting like Rambo, I need you to have the grace for me. And you need to have the, I need to have the grace for you. And realize you're just protecting your little box. I'm going to take my life, and I'm going to lay it down for you. I'm not going to expect you to be perfect. And, but I'm going to take time to share what's inside there. But we have to love, listen, and validate if we're going to succeed in this area of our life. If we can't get this, this is real love and communication. We've got to learn how to put down the guns 
and not justify the, hey, I blew up on you and it's fine and okay. No, it's not okay. It's a response to a lot of emotional baggage that you're carrying. And we've got to learn how to love one another. And James 1.19 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Rambo responses do not produce the righteousness of God. Amen? That one should stick. Second one is unmet expectations. We've got to learn how to really love. Love is not a take environment. It is only a give environment. Love has direction and it goes one way only, give. If, if love languages are great, physical touch, uh, uh, quality time, acts of service, um, words of affirmation, right? Okay, all these things are great when we learn those about our spouse. And they're not expectations. That when I, when I tell you what my love language is, and I have this preconceived idea of how you're supposed to love me, and I say, listen, you're gonna love me this way, and so now I'm taking from you with my expectation that you should love me a way that I deserve to be loved. Love is about giving. And yes, both parties need to learn how to study their spouses, not only what's inside their boxes, but what makes them tick and thrive, what God has called them into. And we begin to love them in that place and we understand what makes them feel loved. And then when two people give love freely, expecting nothing in return, one direction, it starts to really take off. And it is beautiful. So learning about your spouse, then loving your spouse is crucial. But having these huge expectations and them not being met, you're just setting yourself up for all kinds of disappointment and hurt in your relationship, and it's gonna erode it and, and just tear it apart all the time. So we need to communicate those expectations. When I thought we were gonna get married, it would look like this. You'd be at home cleaning. My feet would be up. My 12 kids would be walking along. You know, Gan <laughs> Gaston, he's, he's my son, he loves, okay. Gaston expectations, okay, man? It's from Beauty and the Beast. If you haven't seen it, Go watch it. Beauty and the Beast. Gaston has these ridiculous expectations from his wife. Belle, you're so lucky to be my wife, right? <laughs> my first kill by the fire, my feet, and you rubbing my dirty feet. Like, that's her expectations. Sometimes we have weird expectations of what our, it's going to look like. <laughs> it's your lucky day, Belle. That's right. Okay. <laughs> then we have untrue perceptions. Untrue perceptions. I think I see what I didn't see. When I think I see something, but it isn't really real, it, it can cause me to get in trouble in my communication. So there's a lot of things going on inside my little box. And, and my little box will cause me to wear a lens to see stuff through my pain. And when you do something, I'm gonna see it that way first. In fact, I might omit through my powerful assumer brain all kinds of important things you said to me because of my little box. And all of a sudden, either I jump in my little box and hide or I get out Rambo and I start attacking or I assume that you said something, I perceive something that really wasn't there and your mind will play tricks on you, folks, I promise. And in marriage, in a relationship, you are in trouble because it is gonna happen all the time. And your little assumer, your little perceiving thing that's going on, you, it's going to be working overtime. 
especially from your insecurities. But when you have shared these spaces in your life, been vulnerable and opened up and understand one another, and you're, you have clearer expectations that are just not so unrealistic, and you don't have all these unmet expectations which drive hurt and bitterness, all of a sudden, we can start to see more true. And if you can create a powerful and a, 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 like a foundational understanding and really healthy suspicion of yourself, of what you thought you saw, and you slow down and instead ask more questions instead of assuming you know what someone meant by what they said. Your assumer is always trying to build a case for you. Not someone else, you. To protect you, keep you safe, to make you right so that you can feel important and to keep you comfortable so things don't change around you. <laughs> your assumer's about you. And you can't change that. It's just the way God made us. And so uh, we, we just have to overcome that through real love. And you've got to reprogram your assumer. I see the best in others. Others have the best of intentions. And I see their best potential. And what I think I saw probably wasn't right because their intentions must be good. And that they also have the best potential. Even if they screwed up and they're being a dork now, they could grow and become someone awesome later. And I love them enough to be through them with the process. Renewing your mind by the washing of the word of truth. And look at this as we kind of wrap up things. 1 Corinthians 2, 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You don't know nothing about someone else's motives. Only your own. No matter what it looks like to you. And the most destructive way we assume is about other people's intentions. Because think about this. If you spit a spitball at my face right now, depending on who it is in the room, I'm going to have way different reaction. If I know that you love me, you just messing with me? Please don't do this. Okay. <laughs> don't test me. Don't test my, my, my Christ-likeness. Um, I might just laugh about it and think it's hilarious. But if it's somebody that I think, and I assume you really hate me and you want to like embarrass me I'm gonna, and, and defame me in front of people, I'm going to have a way different response. But do I really, really know? Well, one, sometimes we do spitball actions that we probably shouldn't. They're dumb. But we all do them. And sometimes we go like, I don't even know why I did that. I'm so stupid. Anybody done that? Anybody been like, I can't believe I did that. It was so stupid. And you know what? You did it for a good reason in the moment, even if it isn't a good reason now, okay? You had a reason, and it happened. It seemed good at the time. <laughs> Thank God. We all stay in relationship with, with one another. We learn one another, and we can make these relationships really win. If we stop assuming about what we think other people's motives are, stop doing it. If you discipline your life to just never go there, your relationships are going to start to win. Amen? Your relationship's going to have a chance at winning. So I want to just pray for us before we close that we will have this, one, we'll, we'll just have a reprogramming of our minds. The way we see one another, the way we see men, the way we see women, the way we commit in relationships, whether we're in a marriage or not, and the way we just choose to love each other. 
we'll just begin to love the way God loves. And it starts with how we see each other of equal value. Father, we love you today. God, I'm just asking for a blessing of favor on my life and on this church. God, that you just move in power over each one of us. God, we need you. We're desperate for a touch and a renewing of our mind. God, that we would see the way you see. God, will you bless the people of this church? God, will we just hear your voice and we'll begin to love each other and we'll just let go of the anxiety in our life? Will you give us the courage to go into the spaces of our heart that have to do with these vulnerable places we're trying to protect? Will you give us the courage to go in there and just open them up and learn how to share with love and listen and be vulnerable to one another and care and be committed? God, will you make commitment and in our hearts just, just rise that we'll work through the hard things and give up of ourself and love will become a giving game instead of a tech taking one, God. Lord, we love you today. We bless your name. Help us to love the way you love in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is a great opportunity. If you want to have a relationship that's going to win, you really need Jesus. You just do. You need his real, genuine love moving in your life. So do I. We just do. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by the Son, Jesus himself. He lived, he died for you so that you can have eternal life. And all you have to do is believe Jesus is your Lord and pray, accept that he is God and, and speak it out with your mouth. You'll be saved. Would you close your eyes for just a moment if you're here with me? And if you're here today and you say, that's me, I really want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved and I want to walk out of here and know that I know that I know that I'm going to be in eternity with God forever. If that's you, would you just stretch your hand in the air right now? I'll pray with you right where you're at. It'll only take a second. Anybody here? Jesus, I'm ready to receive you and give you my life. Just be brave. Stretch your hand up and we'll pray. Anybody here? Assuming everybody's saved or on their way. We're going to pray, Father, we love you. Jesus, your God, we declare you as King, Master, Lord of our lives. Fill us, save us, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. We hope to see you soon.